Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. The following podcast is a member of the Great Big Owl family. Hello there, and welcome to It's an S Pod Thing, the podcast revisiting every episode of S Club 7's insane TV show. I'm Sophie Davis, and joining me on this journey from Miami to Spain will be a range of guests who may or may not have seen the show before. Either way, we're going to analyse it in more detail than anyone ever asked for. If you're an S Club fan like me and remember watching the show, hopefully this podcast will bring it all back to you. So, my guest on the podcast today is Amelia Baylor. Hello. Hi. Thank you for joining me for the first episode of Series 3. Thanks so much for inviting me. So, I want to start by asking, what is your history with S Club 7? And have you ever seen this TV show before? So, I think S Club 7 was like one of the first bands that I got into as a kid. Because mm-hmm. I was like a 90s kid. So... I was just before we started recording, having a little listen back to the S Club 7 like discography. And I was like, oh my God, I know all the words. Yeah. <laughs> so my flatmates now hate me. I was singing um, Dream Come True. What an emotional banger that was. Oh Classic. my God. So I was singing along to that. I honestly, I had tears in my eyes. And yes, I did watch the TV show, but not the series that, that I watched for this podcast that was very new to me I think but I definitely recognized the vibe and yeah like S Club 7 in America doing stuff so yeah (laughs) that's my history yeah I think if you're a 90s kid they were kind of unavoidable weren't they yeah and you know what I sort of I remember like so I'm like quite a club kid now like I'm a raver I love dance music but I remember there was this so I used to live in Wimbledon before I moved up here to Scotland and there was this soft play place called Tiger's Eye and occasionally they would open up this little room at the back and it would be like a mini club like a Mm -hmm. nightclub like a disco basically and they would always play like S Club 7 bangers in there so before I was like in the club in Glasgow raving I think I had my early kind of club experiences at Tiger's Eye in Wimbledon (laughs) listening to S Club 7 probably I think S Club Party that's quite a euphoric banger in my opinion like you know it really sort of is quite mood altering so maybe that one um I don't know maybe Dream Come True probably a bit too emotional for that kind of setting but maybe played at the end of the night or when the club finished at approximately probably 2 p.m at tiger's eye but yeah that was uh that was the vibe yeah well yeah I'm jealous that I would have been up for that when I was younger (laughs) I loved it so today we're talking about Hollywood 7 episode 1 which is called The Last Chance and it aired on CBBC on the 27th of September 2001 And it's the start of a new series, so there's a new theme tune, which is the song You. And in the opening titles, they're kind of 
they're dancing on top of what looks very like word art. It's that sort of early 2000s <laughs> font that you would like put at the top <laughs> of your homework every time and, you know, a Comic Sans sort of vibe. It reminds me, yes, 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 like uh, PowerPoint kind of stuff. Yeah, when the names yeah. are like flying in and out of the screen, very PowerPoint. You're like, you're like, this is my presentation on the Battle of Hastings. Then it like fly into like the PowerPoint, <laughs> like 1066. I think that was the year. Uh, anyway, yeah. off topic. <laughs> yeah, definitely. It's got that sort of look to it. And the episode starts with them having a bit of a crisis because they've been in LA for a year. They spent all of the previous series there and nothing has happened. They haven't managed to get a record deal or become famous. So Paul asks what they've actually achieved in the last year. And I'm really not a fan of Paul's look in this episode. I don't know what you thought, but he's he's got like a sort of little beard that's almost like a soul patch, isn't it? And sort of bleach blonde like tips going on in his hair. Yeah, I mean, I I don't know. Like, I think was he wearing like a, a quite a formal <laughs> shirt? Yeah, like a, as well. a, a really yeah, a really like oversized white shirt and <laughs> massive like baggy jeans with like enormous pockets. It's a really odd look. <laughs> I I always think like though CS Club Seven. Um, I was sort of having a little Google and like I think. I'm not sure if it was their manager was the Spice Girls manager, but yeah. But they, I think their whole appeal was they did sort of dress like like everyone dressed. Do you know what I mean? Like they didn't yeah. really dress so much like pop stars. So when watching it, I was like, I mean, I do sort of, I'm a big like Spice Girls, Lady Gaga fan. I like my pop stars to be quite like, <laughs> pop starry. Do you know what I mean? Like but stylized. I can yeah. see the, I can see like, the appeal and the angle from like a business perspective, not that I have any experience in that. I'm like, I can see the vibe. It's cool. So when I was watching it, I was like, yeah, just go for it. Do you know what I mean? That's their vibe. That's like their whole thing. So (laughs) yeah. Yeah. There are a lot of low rise jeans going on (laughs) and Rachel's wearing were they called like gladiator belts or Roman belts or something where they've got those sort of chunky leather belts with like silver and gold on them? Yeah, and they were are... very of, of their time. And also like tank tops. There's a lot of tank tops and I personally love a tank top. So I'm like, maybe like they're actually my biggest style inspiration, like without even realizing. So because whenever I'm streaming, I always wear a tank top. It makes me feel free. It makes me feel, you know, I don't sweat too much keep that in (laughs) practical maybe you belong in the early 2000s this was your time I thought I was more of like a raver from the 90s but maybe more of like a manufactured pop band type vibe yeah I think everyone has better hair in this series than before apart from Paul I don't know what (laughs) happened there Um, But the girls have got more sort of voluminous hair going on. Like it looks like there's a bit of product in it. Rachel's always had amazing hair, but she's got some like highlights in it now. I think they all just look a bit more grown up in this series. But Paul has sort of regressed with like a little beard. And I'm, yeah, I don't know what he was thinking there or if someone else is to blame for that look. Do you know what I noticed actually? Like Rachel's hair is like the Rachel haircut from Friends. Do you know what I mean? I was like, 
is that on purpose like yeah maybe that was intentional (laughs) (laughs) like two rachels both have the same haircut love it yeah so they're they're talking about what they've achieved while they've been in la which isn't much (laughs) hannah says she became an expert in dropping hot bowls of soup in customers laps and for the record, I don't think we've ever seen Hannah working at a restaurant in this show. That's completely out of the blue. Um, but Rachel says she got really good at getting into disastrous relationships with boys that turned out to be useless. If I that's that an achievement. <laughs> I wrote that down. I was like, that's a belter line. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. That's like a line from... <laughs> like I don't know like a an edgy chiclet book do you know what I mean I was like relatable but I thought that was quite hard hitting for a tv show on cbbc yeah and it's true as well because in the show the last guy she dated turned out to be married I love it I love you know it's good to sort of introduce like I wish that I'd watched more of that series to give me a sort of you know it's it's very realistic <laughs> Like it's, you know, don't get your hopes up is the message of the show. Yeah, they have all had a string of terrible relationships throughout this show. Nothing ever goes well romantically. (laughs) And yeah, Tina agrees. Tina says she got quite good at it too. But Rachel goes, I was better. And Tina's like, yeah, you probably were. And like does a bit of a face. Yeah, there's weird like banter between them. Do you know what I mean? I feel like there's like all the way through, there's just like banter, banter banter I'm, I feel drained do you know what I mean from the quick-witted remarks so many in such a short space of time yeah there isn't much sincerity in this show they're all <laughs> supposed to be a group of friends but they're just sort of sniping at each other all the time and backstabbing each other at any moment it's exhausting I'll be honest I actually watched this three times well, that's <laughs> that's this. commitment I was like, I really need to get get sort of the vibe of this. So watched it three times, wrote notes on it. Um, I actually wrote down a note that says 24 hours to become successful because that's what they decide. They're like, right, we've got mm-hmm. 24 hours or so we're giving up our career. Uh, <laughs> I wrote a note saying, reminds me of the Edinburgh Fringe. <laughs> <laughs> like, I feel like the whole message of the episode is very much like I feel like it's very relatable because like they're trying to become successful and they're putting all their eggs in one basket and then you know occasionally things come through like you know you've just got to believe in yourself or you've got to believe that you'll have a coincidence and then there's like a fortune teller that says like the key to success is x y and z and then he says like I'm happy with what I do do you know what I mean because like Joe's like well, how are you talking about success when you're charging us £10 a pop to get like our fortune told? And he goes, well, I'm actually happy. So I'm like, Mm -hmm. there's so much philosophy and there's so many angles. And I just, I found it quite an emotional roller coaster to watch, to be honest, three times. Um, (laughs) I was like, were the writers trying to like reflect something to young people? Like, is the message to follow your dreams or is the message to be like, what was the like fortune teller's name? Mystic Pete. Mystic Pete, yeah. I skipped forward there, but you know, just from the word go, I really felt like, 
there was just so, too much depth for me. Like I wasn't expecting that. I was expecting a very easy watch, you know, and then Rachel goes straight in there with disastrous relationship with boys that turned out to be absolutely useless. Boom, strike one, and then strike two, 24 hours <laughs> to become successful. I was like, God, like Sophie asked me to watch this, but didn't give me a heads up that it was... <laughs> It would be this intense, you know? Maybe this show is an allegory for the Edinburgh Fringe. <laughs> like, genuinely. Yeah. I didn't I didn't realise that I should have warned you or that you were gonna <laughs> I can imagine you starting to watch it really like happy and then just gradually like sinking into the chair. And then at having the end, a breakdown. Just singing Dream Come True and like chain smoking, you know? <laughs> and eating ice cream. <laughs> I'm sorry if this has made you have a, a, a mental collapse. It's fine. I'll just I'll, I'll go back to series one. I'm sure it's more uplifting. <laughs> Bradley Bradley's really optimistic in this episode. In the past, he's always been kind of like the lazy one. But for some reason, in the context of this episode, he's like, come on, guys, we can do it. We can be a success. Um, he says, we're beginning to sound like a bunch of whiny people. <laughs> and in this show, that ship has long sailed because they pretty much spend every episode whining and complaining. <laughs> and I like how Bradley's only just decided, like, we're starting to sound like a bunch of whiny people. I really thought he was going to say, we're starting to sound like a bunch of wankers. Like, I honestly <laughs> really thought that was what he was going to say. But then I was like, oh, fair enough. <laughs> <laughs> That's the R-rated version of this. Yes, yes. Can't wait to watch it. Yeah, he says, things out here can happen very quickly. We could find a manager today. We could get a record deal by tomorrow. We could have a number one by next week. And I like this bit where John tells him to be more realistic. So Bradley's like, okay, maybe a number one by the week after. And John's like, yeah, yeah, that's better. That's me. That makes sense. Yeah, that's again, like that kind of cheeky banter between them. Like the script is just very like, do you know what I mean? Like ping pong of like mm-hmm. remarks um I thought that Tina was very optimistic as well and quite philosophical like she was saying you have to walk around imagining what we want to happen is going to happen is that right like is that what she says yeah. like we have to just basically she's kind of saying if you think positive things positive things will happen which was very much before its time because nowadays Instagram is filled with that shit right but yeah. this this show for some reason like had that whole montage you know and I was like this seems like this kind of chat is like influencer chat you know not influencers but kind of you know the influencers that kind of are their whole brands about like positivity and stuff like that (laughs) it's like yeah yeah it's it's more positive than most of the episodes of this show are I guess because it's a new series they're like right we need to achieve something guys but yeah Tina's on board with what Bradley's saying she says I'm gonna say two words that I didn't think I ever would Bradley's right Tina's like you know we need to find a manager that's the first thing we need a Sven Gali and Hannah is like or it could be anyone. He doesn't have to be Swedish, but she says it like Swedish, like she's trying to do a little accent. Yeah. Bless her. <laughs> so yeah, the plot of this episode basically is they give themselves 24 hours to find a manager. And there's no real reason for this time scale. It Joe just says it's the amount of time they always have to do things in cop shows. 
So I'm not sure if S Club 7 should be living their life that way, but that's what they've decided on. They've got a 24-hour window, and it's quite extreme because they decide that if they don't manage to find a manager in 24 hours, it's the end of S Club 7 forever. Dramatic. I'm pretty sure. So I have a friend, Ross Foley, who's a comedian, who was saying that there was a Lisa Scott Lee thing, I think, where she was like doing a comeback show and we're saying, like, if I don't make it in the sort of time scale of this show, then I'm giving up pop music. So I feel like oh, that's yeah, that quite a, a trope, you know, if like with pop bands. But I feel like it's quite a sort of noughties trope. Do you know what I mean? It's like people are like, look, let's be honest. This show is about us trying to, you know, make it or make a comeback, which is it's kind of like a very depressing version of the Spice Girls movie. Yeah, <laughs> you know it's like it's like the 90s were filled with optimism and then you know I know there are some positive bits of this episode like Tina and Bradley but I feel like the general vibe is it's quite depressing I feel like the noughties were quite depressing you know yeah the general vibe of this whole show <laughs> is a, a more depressing version of the Spice Girls movie <laughs> it's because in the Spice Girls movie they're already the Spice Girls aren't they they're like a huge band within the world of the film <laughs> Whereas yes. in this show, like in series one, S Club 7, were working at a grubby hotel in Miami. Yeah. And then series two, they were in LA, not really doing much. And then this is the first series where they're actually starting to become big, it seems. I haven't really, I haven't rewatched the rest of the series yet. But by the end of this first episode, things are actually starting to look up for them. So we're becoming slightly more positive. But um, yeah, as you said, a more depressing version of the Spice Girls movie and if you think about it okay the spice boss i know nowadays that would have very negative connotations but just imagine that brexit <laughs> you know hadn't happened like the spice boss was their mode of transport yeah in this show they have a beat up cadillac yeah <laughs> is that how you say that i was just written cadillac but cat like and it's like the paint has come off do you know what i mean i'm like that is symbolic and then John's like walking down the street kicking an empty coke can like <laughs> everything is just pointing <laughs> into like a sort of depressing vibe for them you know so what have we actually achieved by being here except for learning to drive on the wrong side of the road I got an um, expert at dropping hot bowls of soup in customers laps that's not as easy as it looks. Yeah, and I got really good at getting into disastrous relationships with boys that turned out to be absolutely useless. Yeah, I got good at that too. <laughs> yeah, but I was better. Mm, you probably were. So, we haven't got very far towards our target of becoming rich and famous, have we? Basically, everything that we've achieved to be written on the back of a poster stamp with a five-inch wallpaper brush. Which is, ooh, let me see, not very much. It's very good, Hannah. Thanks. Hold up, guys. You're beginning to sound like a bunch of whiny people. Bradley, we're not whining, we're just facing the truth. Yeah, but Rachel, the truth is, we're not as successful as we want to be. Yeah, by miles. Yeah, by about a million miles. Yeah, but in the universe, a million miles isn't very far. Bradley, speak English, what are you talking about? Things out here happen very, very quickly, right? But we could find a manager today, we could get a record deal by tomorrow. We could have a number one in the charts by next week. Next week? Bradley, come on, be realistic. All right, the week after. Yeah, OK, that's better. I'm about to say two words I never thought I'd ever say. Yeah? What's that, Liz? Bradley's right. We need to think positive. Oh, we can't give up now. We need to find someone to help us get successful. 
We need a Sven Gali. Yeah, or anyone. He doesn't have to be Swedish. Yeah, John tells them all about this thing called the coincidence theory, <laughs> which I googled and there weren't many specific results. So I think John's <laughs> just pulled this out of nowhere. Um, he says, basically, they all need to believe that coincidences happen <laughs> and they will. So the plan is essentially to just wander around L.A. imagining what they want to happen and hopefully their dreams will come true. Yeah. And there's a whole bit where Tina goes, oh, yeah, that would be an amazing coincidence. And they're all like, yeah, Tina, that's the whole point. And look at her like she's an idiot yeah, for I no reason. Yeah, I hated that bit. Because I was like, she's doing it, guys. I hated that bit in the three times I watched it. I was like, Tina is the best member of the band, in my opinion. Like, why are they being mean to her when she was trying to make it happen? Honestly, mm. that honestly pissed me off. <laughs> Yeah, and we'll we'll come to this in a bit, but when they're all just sort of wandering around, she's doing more than the others to try and get yeah, noticed. Like honestly, and I'm like, why are they putting her down? Like, are you joking me? She's the one trying to make shit happen. Sorry, I don't know if I'm allowed to swear, but <laughs> yeah. she's trying to make stuff happen for them. And they're like, Tina, what are you talking about? I'm like, right, I'm done. <laughs> yeah tina deserves better they're generally quite harsh to her throughout the whole show because she's like the choreographer of the band in the show and every time she wants to rehearse they're always kind of rolling their eyes like oh tina's bossing us around again and it's like she wants to get stuff done yeah it's like i think they should just seriously need to treat treat her better she's the one that makes the opportunities Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. So they they split up into groups and walk around while the song I Will Find You plays, which is <laughs> be looking appropriate. Looking there, <laughs> da, 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 that one. Yeah, it actually fits, which is good by this show's standards, because usually the music's quite random, but they are looking for something. Um, at one point, something falls onto Paul's head and he gets knocked out. I couldn't see what it was. I tried Coconut. to pause it. It's a coconut. Is that what it was? Okay, yeah. that's weirder so than what I imagined. What is happening? Okay, and they don't address it. They just touch and they just it. walk off. I hate that. I'm like, look, this montage, which is already too long, where you're just <laughs> you're introducing concepts, not explaining them, and just moving on. I'm done. Do you know what I mean? And that coconut was the last straw for me. Like honestly, and they what, just why they just left him. Like, and then he sort of like, like, I don't know, 10 minutes later, once the montage is a bit further through, he gets up again. I'm like, what even is that? A callback? Is that a callback? <laughs> we don't even know what the original joke was. Why are you introducing concepts without fully fleshing them out? Why was it a coconut? Was he under a palm tree or something? Yeah, I think he was looking, he was looking for a manager in the palm tree. Honestly, right. that montage... <laughs> honestly it killed me i could not deal with it 
Because uh, and Joe and Bradley aren't really looking very hard. They basically go to the beach, and Joe <laughs> buries Bradley in the sand. That's and, not really god. like making much effort. And then there's a bit where like, sh- oh my god, she thinks that he's she's buried him, and then oh he's behind her. <laughs> Lol. <laughs> Woo! You know that's you know that's comedy, I guess. And it's a huge pile of sand as well. So if she had buried him in there, he'd probably be dead. Yeah, but then like, it's funny because the show can be quite cheesy at points with bits that I think, oh, that's a bit shite. But then occasionally there's some absolute belter jokes, which makes mm-hmm. me think like, how how is this? Like, on, like when I first watched it, I was like, I hate this. And then when I was watching it again, I was like, there are some belters in here. Did you not think... Yeah, there's the occasional line that surprises you. Yeah, well, it's like when when sort of a character gets to almost not actually say it to camera because they're saying it to like the rest of the band, but like deep down you're like, this could be a comedian doing something to camera. This could be Jimmy Carr, you know what I mean? <laughs> in 8 out of 10 cats. But yeah, I'll, I guess we'll talk about those lines when they come in <laughs> in the script. But yeah, it's like, yeah, occasionally there's some belters, but then... Do you know, just like the coconut bit, I'm like, oh my god! <laughs> Is it like different, like levels of humor for like different people? Like, what's the deal? Yeah, like <laughs> we need to jazz up this montage a bit. Let's just <laughs> knock Paul out with a coconut for some reason. I guess, yeah. At least it wasn't like slipping on a banana skin. So, <laughs> yeah. Well, pretty much. <laughs> it's the same kind of level. As you said, the montage goes on for a while. After it ends. Bradley asks Joe what they're doing because he has no idea what's going on. He's like forgotten the whole purpose. Uh, And this is where they spot a fortune teller called Mystic Pete. And yeah, talking about looks, this guy is wearing a sort of tie-dye t-shirt with a little leather waistcoat and little pink glasses. I quite like this guy. I thought he... uh, worked quite well as a, a fortune teller he, he looks like an alternative comedian do you know what i mean yeah. <laughs> like that's he looks like an alternative comedian i dig his look definitely i would wear that and i'd like yeah i think that's a cool vibe the glasses are very much on trend at the moment you mm-hmm. see them a lot in shops <laughs> you'd see them in the shop monkey i feel um so He's yeah ahead of the game <laughs> Again, in some ways, the show was just so ahead of its time. (laughs) So they ask him what the secret of success is, and he tells them it's very elusive. And Joe is kind of like, well, yeah, it would be. Otherwise, everyone would know what it is. I like how Joe was the one who suggested seeing this guy and then she's just immediately not having any of it. <laughs> like she's up for like considering it, but then when he actually says stuff, she's like, nah, mate. Yeah, it's almost like when you ask your pals for advice and then when they give it to you, you're like, oh no, I, I'm not going to listen to that actually. I'm going to text <laughs> that person back who treated me like shit. Almost like, you know, again, that Rachel vibe at the start. <laughs> the disastrous relationship. And you're like, ask, oh, what should we do about this? situation like no don't text him again next day you're like boom text yeah definitely yeah the first thing he tells them is that the secret of success is to always ask for money up front so then joe has to give him ten dollars yeah but i was like okay if he genuinely means that advice imagine invoicing somebody (laughs) before (laughs) doing the piece of work like i make jingles imagine i was like right i've not made your jingle yet but here's the invoice (laughs) (laughs) 
They'd be like, I think we're gonna just make our own, thank you. Maybe got- that's that's the key to finding more success. Maybe you could be more successful if you were asking people for the money up front. Oh God. No, 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 no. I'm not I'm not as confident as Mystic Pete, unfortunately, but I do wear the same clothes as him. So maybe in a few years' time. So while all this is going on, Tina is sort of dancing and leaping around the street Mm -hmm. and Paul and Rachel are like what are you doing and she's like (laughs) I'm trying to get noticed love that I'm like that do you know what I mean it's like sometimes if like first of all it's good to just be honest like I want attention (laughs) like do you know what I mean yeah relate to (laughs) Tina in that moment like but also she's trying to get noticed on a bigger level as well like do you know what I mean she's trying to make things happen for them like yeah Yeah. legend it made me think of like when I was younger I used to go to a a dance school (laughs) and I did ballet and all that and I remember in like the school playground sort of like you know leaping around like oh I'm a good dancer people are gonna (laughs) notice like that's what they had that sort of vibe to me like I'm just trying to be noticed because I'm doing the splits so did you think you would be noticed by like an agent or something? <laughs> <laughs> I don't even know. Just, just anyone. I don't think I was that fussy. Yeah, because like, it's like, <laughs> I feel like it's funny like doing comedy, performing music and stuff. Because like a big part of it is about getting attention. Do you know what I mean? Just on that base level, like just attention. It's almost a currency. Do you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And then on top of that, it's like, no, actually, I do you actually want attention from from the right people as well <laughs> so if there's an agent listening to this right now just yeah <laughs> sign me there you go yeah i'll make a gif of that moment of <laughs> tina just like leaping in the air going i'm trying to get noticed <laughs> again it's just the show is very relatable from like a comedy perspective <laughs> yeah that's the edinburgh fringe again <laughs> Just walking down the street, anyone could be there. You could bump into an agent at any moment. Yeah, and it's like, I was thinking next time that I'm flyering at the fringe, I'll just think like, you know, I'll be flyering in the rain and I'll think, what was it again that was like, we imagine what we want to happen. So I'd be like, imagine that someone's definitely going to take your flyer and not put it in the bin, you know? And it will just magically happen. It will, I believe it. So we then meet a new character who I'm guessing is going to be a fixture in this series, Dean Strickland. Uh, He's played by Barry Williams, who was apparently in The Brady Bunch. Uh, And he works at a talent management company. Uh, And when we meet him, he's talking to this other guy called Gordon. Uh, Dean wants to sign a new band who play their own instruments if you can imagine such a thing in this show Uh, and Gordon's (laughs) like but what's the angle Uh, he's not impressed at all Um, he tells Dean that they need a band that's the musical equivalent of sliced bread because when sliced bread came out everyone was like wow there, but there was a joke there when he was like, I, we need to find the best things since sliced bread. And the other guy was like, oh, who were they? And I was like, that's a yeah. good joke. That is a belter. It's like, no, he's talking about actual sliced <laughs> bread. And apparently the answer to that is S Club 7. They are the musical equivalent of sliced bread, it turns out. Yes. And like, yeah, like, also, I don't know if you noticed with that scene, there's a very bad green screen. Did you did you notice mm. that? Like with like the yeah. name of like Strickland Management or 
<laughs> whatever it's so funny bless them and yeah dean gets given a 24-hour deadline as well which seems harsh he says he has to find the musical equivalent of sliced bread within 24 hours we don't know what's going to happen at the end of that if he's going to be like fired or something because it, it seems like it's his company isn't it because it's called like strickland <laughs> management so who's the other guy maybe it's his dad <laughs> they look the same age <laughs> that only just occurred to me then it must be his company because it's his surname <laughs> in the name of it so who why, who's this guy that he's taking orders from well there's not much going on around here is there well that's when things often happen you know when you least expect it Tina, what are you doing? Trying to get notice? Three guys. They're cute. They play their own instruments and they've got great voices. <laughs> I don't know. They look good. But what's the angle? The angle is they're talented. Ah, uh, Dean, that's not an angle, that's a straight line. It would help if I knew what you were looking for, Gordon. What we're looking for is something different. Now, whether that's a solo act or a band, I don't know. I mean, you remember when Sliced Bread came out? No, I don't remember a band called Sliced Bread. Not the band, the actual bread. Oh, oh. I, uh, I remember that, sure. Sliced Bread came out, people went, wow. Wow. We want something that makes that kind of impact only musically. You're saying... Musically sliced bread. Okay. Now, whatever that is, whoever they are, you're just the man to find them, Dean. <laughs> you got 24 hours. Yeah, who knows? But anyway, he's got 24 hours to find an exciting new artist <laughs> to sign. Um, we, we go back to Mystic Pete for a bit. He's telling Joe and Bradley they have to get to a point where they really want to give up but then don't. And he also says, if you can't climb the mountain, maybe it's the wrong mountain. Again, Edinburgh <laughs> Fringe, do you know what I mean? <laughs> like, I feel like that's relatable. Also, there was a bit as well that I really liked that had a little bit of like cool metaphor vibes when I think it was Hannah and John are wandering around talking yeah. about the smell of success I thought this is very deep writing if I was doing like my English exams at school I would definitely really go into this bit and go right let's analyze it like um like John goes I think it's the smell of success it smells like the inside of a new car he leans into a random person's <laughs> car smells it what is that what is that right and that then Hannah says, I think it smells like a Versace evening dress. What does that smell like? That doesn't <laughs> smell of anything. And then he says, or a Prada suit. That doesn't have a smell. What are you talking about? <laughs> and then I was like, do they mean the smell of uh, dry cleaners? Like, is that the smell of success? And then there's this sort of sad bit, which again brings it back to the depressing nature of the show. What can you actually smell? And then he says, cigar smoke, and starts coughing. And then Hannah says, rubbish. <laughs> this is honestly, if I was like doing an exam and they were like, analyze this, you'd be like, yeah, and this sort of symbolizes the, 
really sad nature of the show and the sort of um the fall of the american dream you know like (laughs) honestly that bit was just so deep but again why is he leaning into a random person's car and like smelling it that's weird. yeah i like the idea that there was someone in the driver's seat and they were just like what the <laughs> hell kind of like you know i don't know if you do this but i'm like very much like a self-obsessed person so when i walk down the street i look at my reflection in all the cars yeah. just to make sure that my fringe <laughs> looks okay my makeup's okay so it's like a very extreme version of that <laughs> just shoves his entire the entire like upper part of his body into someone's car through the window yeah but like do you know the writing in this show it just goes from like witty banter to very depressing and then joke like it just goes between all these different styles like maybe in the writer's room there were just people that really couldn't agree like there's another bit where the like fortune teller says honestly when joe says we want to be a successful pop band the fortune teller says don't come to los angeles to be a pop band that's like a bunch of little lambs jumping into a pit filled with wolves and saying, I want to be a wolf. <laughs> what is that? What is that? Bradley says something like, yeah, what's wrong with that? <laughs> I'm like, this show is <laughs> filled with metaphors, isn't it? It's like too many. If you were doing this as like an English exam, you'd be like, that's an example of a metaphor. That's another example of a depressing <laughs> metaphor. So yeah, it's, there's a lot of depth, unexpected. Again, I wish yeah. you'd warned me, you know. That- <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I should have. But the scene with Mystic Pete is quite funny. I like the bit where Joe says to him, why Why should we pay you 10 bucks to hear you talk a load of rubbish when we can listen to Hannah for nothing? It's like, poor <laughs> Hannah, she isn't even there. And Joe's just like burning her. Yeah, they do. Everyone in the band seems to like slag each other off. But I think this is weird, but I did notice the body language of the band was very much like very like affectionate. Do you know what I mean? Like it was like they were like a family. Do you know mm-hmm. what I mean? Like in the scenes and stuff, they all seem like so chill and like yeah, like it's a genuine connection between them. Do you know what I mean? Like the script is very contrived. <laughs> yeah, I reckon they got on better in real life than they did in the show. Which you think that it would usually be the other way round, really, wouldn't it? You think the public persona would be, oh, we're all best friends, but it's the opposite here. <laughs> yeah, it's like the script is contrived and just so annoying. But like, yeah, the way that they actually interact, you can tell there's that they are like a real band, you know. Because mm-hmm. um, I've I listened to your previous episodes and that like, you said that some people didn't think they were an actual band. Like people watching yeah. in America thought that <laughs> like it was all fictional. But, you know, obviously like you and me were like, uh, no, they're a real band. They were a part of our lives. You know what I mean? We listened to them before watching the show. So Mystic Pete gets Joe to pick a card and he tells them they need to go to the place where the big silver birds go to die. <laughs> and that's where they will find their success. So that's a kind of new mission now. They need to figure out what that means. Like sitcom vibes, isn't it? It's very much mm-hmm. sitcom. It's like a sort of a shit version of Friends, really, isn't it? Yeah, pretty much. They've even got <laughs> Rachel with the same hair. Uh, Paul is probably the Ross, isn't he? Oh, God. Bradley's the Joey. I'm trying to think this through now. I, I there's, don't well, know. There's too many of them for a start. <laughs> I honestly don't know. Like, I don't, I don't know the characteristics enough of both shows. To be fair, their characteristics aren't that distinctive in this show. <laughs> I I, main, I mainly went for Paul as Ross because Paul often 
comes across as like quite annoying in this show at the start you know when he's like got the video camera out and he's like guys so what are we gonna do i don't know i was like shut up paul <laughs> like that's like the <laughs> opening of this show like setting up the whole series i'm just like shut up <laughs> yeah pretty much during this next sequence as well we get this whole incident where dean is out and about he's holding a pocket watch <laughs> I mean, is that the sort of thing people had in the early 2000s? Like, if you didn't quite have a mobile phone yet, so you just carried a little gold <laughs> pocket watch around with you. <laughs> yeah, that is a weird... I never really thought of that. Like, what is that? What's the deal? But yeah, he has a pocket watch. And then somebody steals it. And then Tina's doing, like, high leg kicks because she's an icon. And then she <laughs> kicks the guy in the face the watch is saved and then the guy is passed out and then Rachel goes into this incredibly funny monologue by the way which (laughs) honestly comes out of nowhere like somebody who wrote that was obviously just having a great day it honestly right so she says she gives loads of medical advice and then she says take him straight to the theater third row of the stalls hook him up to a nice pantomime or musical definitely no Shakespeare oh and give him a chalk ice Boom! That <laughs> sounds like it's from Alan Partridge. Yeah, I wrote honestly, that down as well. I enjoyed what? this whole bit. And I like how she says to give him 20 cc's of morphine and the paramedics <laughs> are nodding. Like, don't listen to this woman. What are you doing? It just comes out of nowhere, though. Do you know what I mean? That is a belter. Oh, and a chalk yeah. ice. Boom. Great. That is great. That was the bit that hooked me back in, you know. <laughs> I thought it was a bit of a downer at the end where Paul, again, Paul being annoying, just kind of intervenes and is like, Rachel, you're not a doctor. You've been watching too many medical soaps. And it's like, I would have liked it if we just gone with it. (laughs) I think he even says darling or something. Do you know what I mean? I feel like he, I don't remember the word. I haven't written it down, but he says a word. I'm like, shut up, Paul. Do you know what I mean? He like, (laughs) I just, come on. (laughs) Yeah. He sort of like puts his arm around her and he's like, you're getting above your station there, love. Just let her live her best life, for God's sake. Yeah, so Dean thanks Tina for stopping the thief. He <laughs> gives her his card and leaves. And when they actually look at the card after he's gone, they realise that he's a manager. So Paul is like, oh my God, the coincidence theory has actually worked. We're sorted now. We just need to go and see this guy and he'll agree to be our manager because it's that easy. And then, I don't know who said it, but I've written down, There's someone says, there's a thin line between optimism and madness and you just crossed it. Yeah. <laughs> I'm like, is that relatable? I'm thinking like, when I'm like, guys, I'm I'm starting a Patreon. <laughs> <laughs> is that like what people are thinking? <laughs> I saw what you did. Oh, I'm I'm sorry. I d- didn't mean to hurt him. No, no, it was amazing. Really? Yeah, the guy stole my watch. This is a family heirloom. Oh, uh, well, um, <clears throat> says and right. Huh? Yes. Anyway, thank you all very much. My name is Dean Strickland, and uh, if there's ever anything I can do for you, let me know. Ah. He's a nice guy. Who was he? Hey, listen to this. Dean Strickland, artist management. He's an agent. Spooky. Really spooky. Wow. Don't you see, guys? That's it. It's worked. 
the coincidence theories actually work. We found ourselves a manager, guys. We've done it. Hang on a minute, but he hasn't agreed to represent us or anything. Well, that's the easy bit. You know, we know him. We'll just go and see him and that'll be that. So we then we go to their apartment. Um, in the previous episode to this, they were living in a big house on an earthquake fault line. But in this episode, they're now living in an apartment. So presumably they've moved between series. Um, Joe, Bradley, John and Hannah are at the apartment trying to figure out what the place where the big silver birds go to die could mean. They're not really doing that much. Like John and Hannah, all they've done is walk around like smelling stuff and then they've just gone home. (laughs) Oh yeah, that amazing sequence that we know and love. Um, The success smelling one. And then they come home like exhausted. (laughs) Yeah, lying on the sofa. (laughs) Paul, Rachel and Tina arrive home, very pleased with themselves. But it turns out they've already managed to lose the business card. Paul's like looking through his pockets in his massive trousers and it isn't there. Yeah. I mean, how would you lose it with that many pockets? I don't know. Maybe yeah, it's and I like how none of them react in a particularly strong way to this. They're all just kind of like, yeah, that would happen, wouldn't it? Like, they're not angry. They're just kind of resigned to their own failure at this point. Because I thought they were going to freak out, but they're just kind of like, oh, Paul. Yeah, they're very apathetic at this point. I think maybe they like, used up all their energy, you know? <laughs> yeah, this is the point where John mentions they've got 14 hours left Again, what have you done, John? What have you contributed? (laughs) His role in this episode is basically just like he's being a countdown clock. Mm, Yes, (laughs) he has a watch. Like that's his. That's his whole thing. Yeah, you know the apartment looked pretty nice. Do you know what I mean? I was like, that's yeah, a very. very cool it's very edgy yeah there was a sort of exterior shot of like it looks like they're living in like in the city somewhere Mm. like i don't know exactly but it looks like quite a cool sort of city apartment quite colorful in my head though i'm like was that really filmed in america (laughs) i mean in my head i'm like i bet a lot of it wasn't do you know what i mean yeah i know in series (laughs) one they shot quite a lot of their sort of bunk bedroom scenes in the UK and then I'm not I'm not sure about the other series so yeah the apartment could have easily been in the UK we'll never know but um John John's being weird here well someone says things can only get better and John then tells a quite harrowing story about how his great uncle said things can only get better after he fell off a ladder and bounced off a holly bush into the road but then he got run over by the ice cream van and the rest of the band are just looking at him. So, like, imagine if you were seen like a comedian, he'd be like, that reminds me what my great uncle said. he just fallen off ladder and there he was lying in <laughs> road and he said, things can only get better. <gasps> then he got run over by ice cream van. Do you know what? That's a f- <laughs> Do you know what I mean? But all that happens is Tina goes, shush, John. <laughs> I'm like, John's doing a bit, Tina. Let him, <laughs> Let him do a bit. Yeah. They all just kind of look at him and Tina just shushes him. They do like a belter yeah. every like 15 minutes and no, every like 10 minutes. <laughs> yeah, they have to spread them out across the script. <laughs> so Dean then goes to see Mystic Pete for some advice. 
because he's like the go-to guy in LA apparently <laughs> uh, and he he bumps into Joe and Bradley who obviously haven't met him before um, and he says that Mystic Pete told him he'll find success where the big silver birds go to die and Bradley's like oh my god same and like if it was me I would be at this point I would be like okay this is clearly a con because Mystic Pete is just saying the same advice to everyone but they yeah. don't really react like that. They're all just kind of like, mm, what does it mean? Where could it be? Do you know, like the Kardashians and also the Real Housewives go and see like psychics. So I feel oh, yeah? like, again, this show is... <laughs> again, it's... it's like an LA sort of thing. Yeah. <laughs> I think it's that... I mean, it wasn't called Mystic P, but... Yeah, yeah, I'd like I to see like... them go and see Mystic Pete. <laughs> I'm sure he wouldn't just tell them the same shit. But um, yeah, anyway, that was just the thought I had. Yeah, so they're talking about where this sort of mysterious place could be. <laughs> and Dean thinks it could be referring to an aeroplane graveyard that's just outside of LA. So he offers <laughs> to give Joe and Bradley a lift there. I mean, when you heard the sort of the description of the place, did you think it was going to be that sort of thing or just no idea? I honestly see when I hear stuff like that, I just don't really have a problem solving brain. So I just, I, my brain switches off when any kind of problem solving scenario happens. Do you know what I mean? Like, can't play Cluedo, can't play <laughs> video games. So this is under the same category. I just went, right, okay. <laughs> yeah, because that, that sounds quite depressing as well. Like, we're going to go and meet in an aeroplane graveyard. <laughs> yeah to discuss our career yeah it was yeah again sort of depressing vibe yeah we we then go to tina and rachel tina the icon that she is is still dancing and kicking and leaping around presumably hoping she's going to stop another robbery in progress but she accidentally kicks a police officer instead and then she kind of just goes they kind of lock in an almost embrace and then she kind of just yeah. goes sorry and then he's like okay and then they kind of run away so yeah yeah because Rachel gets a call doesn't it she from the others to say she, well she says something like do you want to go to the desert and Tina's like yes please because she's just kicked a police officer so she wants yeah. to run away <laughs> I just you know it's one of those weird things in a script where they're like yeah just put that in and that'll be the sort of motivation for <laughs> like yeah. that it's like let's move this forward okay yeah so like the idea that joe was rung rachel and gone do you want to go to the desert and rachel's just kind of like well we're not doing anything else are we we might as well yeah we may as well go to the aeroplane graveyard and chill they all get their bandanas on to go to the <laughs> desert <laughs> some cracking bandanas at the end of this episode yes i noticed that yeah i think i remember you used to sometimes get them like free with magazines like at one point i remember like Miz and stuff because bandanas were so ubiquitous they were giving them out for free they're actually coming back yeah they really are like i have seen some trendy people on instagram wearing them like i think this era of fashion really is coming back like kind of slightly baggier trousers vest tops like really like i'm not saying this is a joke like it's legit coming back yeah, i'd quite like to wear a mandana i suppose it's good on like a if you're having like a, a bad hair day or a greasy hair day or something you could just cover it with a bandana like a hat was this like before dry shampoo as well like nowadays Probably. we've got batiste but maybe before it was like bandanas <laughs> yeah there was an actual need for them 
Yeah. So during the car journey with Dean, he's basically telling Bradley and Joe to never go into the music industry because he doesn't know what they do. And he's kind of like, uh, again, being very bleak and realistic. He's like, oh, it's just backstabbing, heartache, pain. Everyone's destined to fail. He says to them, you might as well be wearing a T-shirt that says loser on it in big six foot high letters. Yeah, he says music is the toughest, most heartbreaking business in the world. He just says that, like throwaway comment. And, And Joe's like, yeah, all right, we get the point. But like, there's a lot of dramatic irony in that scene. There's a lot of dramatic irony. <laughs> I did a theatre studies degree. Um, <laughs> woo! And um, I'm still trying to, you know, think positive thoughts, make positive things happen. Um, but yeah, like, I feel like, yeah, because they don't admit that they're pop stars. You know what I mean? Like, so that yeah. scene's very, it's, you know, very funny. Because <laughs> uh, <laughs> he's like saying, oh terrible and they're like yeah 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 they lie to him don't they they say that they put up tv aerials for a living and i i quite liked how bradley got really into it and was like yeah it's all aerials with us mate we love those aerials yeah that's good see bradley's like funny you know like genuinely funny and it doesn't (laughs) seem forced Yeah, he's got that sort of energy about him. I think in this series in general, they have all... You can see they're a lot more confident now. Like, when the show started, they were... Like, the band weren't big at the time, and Mm -hmm. they were very young. John had, like, curtains as his hairstyle. (laughs) They looked like children. Mm -hmm. Whereas in this series, they look a bit more grown up, and you can tell, even though the acting isn't amazing, they have got more confidence. Like, particularly, I think Bradley is pretty good in this episode. Yeah, and I imagine, like, see even, like, not just doing the show, like, if they were doing loads of gigs and stuff, do you know what I mean? Yeah. (laughs) If you get the stage time, like the Edinburgh Fringe, once once you've done (laughs) one... It all comes back to the Edinburgh Fringe. (laughs) Once you've done one, you just completely change as a performer, so, as they say... Yeah, series one was the free fringe. And at this point, <laughs> they're at the Pleasants. I'll probably yeah. have to cut all of this because people won't know what we're talking about. Oh, right. Yeah. <laughs> that's probably too specific. Yeah. I didn't even realize that that's like niche. <laughs> but... <laughs> but they they arrive at this aeroplane graveyard. The others show up as well. And they're all kind of like, wow, look at all the planes. Amazing. Hannah says they look like dinosaurs with wings and engines and big writing on the side. And Rachel is like, you mean planes, Hannah? (laughs) That's a belter. Again, that's a belter joke. Like when people say like something wrong, Mm -hmm. that's funny. (laughs) Poor Hannah though. She's quite, she's been insulted quite a lot in this episode. Yeah. And she's got short hair now. I'm not sure what I think about that, but that is the look I kind of associate with Hannah. She had longer hair in the previous series and now she's got a little sort of um, like a pixie cut, I guess. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> I actually have the same haircut. I basically have a haircut that is sort of a mixture between her and John's, basically. So. <laughs> is, that what, is that what you took to the hairdressers? <laughs> That's what you were going for? Yeah, I was like... <laughs> That's it, you, you belong in the early 2000s. You've got the Hannah haircut. <laughs> 
take me back there. So John is still being quite dramatic. He says they've got 20 seconds left before S Club ceases to exist. Yeah. And he starts counting down from 20. And just in time, Dean sort of shakes everyone's hands, introduces himself, and Paul recognises him. And I like how he did already shake hands with Rachel and Tina and there was no recognition at all. It's just Paul is like, wait, you're Dean Strickland. Rachel and Tina, not a clue. Yeah, that was an awkward bit. I just thought there was some bits where I was like, why is that awkward? I don't yeah, know why. I think it's the way Paul sort of does a bit of a double take, doesn't he? And he's like, <laughs> Dean Strickland. Yeah, it just it felt awkward for me. It was almost like that Tina moment when Tina was like, oh, imagine something great happened. They're like, shut up, Tina. Like that. It was one of those where you're like, what is going on? Yeah, definitely. And the way John's just counting down oh God, really sort of... Cra- honestly, I just... Passive aggressively. Oh, it just honestly, it just really like made me just anxious, that whole scene. Honestly, it just, it was awkward. Like the way that he was counting down, like speaking over them, I was just like, oh my God, I can't. And then he goes... 10 and then I don't know who says like you've already said that he's like no we're giving him more time I was like this is stressing out this is like you know in Lost in the early series where there was that whole numbers thing it's very oh, yeah. niche ref this felt like that I was stressed out by not watching this show because Rachel even says to him oh if, if you don't become our manager we're gonna split up in 10 seconds it's I like can't. no pressure Dean poor Dean he's can't. been thrown into this situation someone's counting down next to him and he has to and also the joke at the end is that he agrees to be their manager but because of what Joe and Bradley have said to him he thinks that he's agreeing to manage a team of tv aerial people yeah and then that's it they like they run away. Bradley and Joe run away, and then boom, they sing a song in the aeroplane and on the aeroplane. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? Like they just they're like standing on the wings. Yeah, I was not expecting this. It did make me laugh. Me either. Rachel's like sort of squatting in the engine <laughs> for most of it. It to be honest, though, that was my favorite bit of the episode. Like that they just did song. the song. I was like, I could just chill out, watch this. I don't have to write any notes. Do you know what I mean? Whereas the rest of the time I was like, right, let's analyze what's going on. I was like, oh, that's the end then. They're just dancing in a plane and there's not really a resolution. I was like, well, that's fair enough, you know? Yeah, <laughs> it's quite it's, it's quite like a sort of music video, but, but in a weird location. Like yeah. if you saw this as a music video out of context, you'd be like, why are they on a load of abandoned planes? But that's, I feel like that's been done. Like recently in pop music, I want to say, I'm not 100% sure, but I feel like there has been music videos recently. Well, S Club 7 clearly did it first. (laughs) Um, Yeah, the song is um, Show Me Your Colours, which is a good one. Rachel gets the lead. Yeah, Mm. she's sitting in the engine for a lot of it, which is like, if someone turned that on, she'd be like dead in a second. Do you think they just like decided that was going to be, they found the location they filmed that and then they just worked their way back and like made up the, <laughs> the episode yeah, from that. Yeah, probably. <laughs> they found they found that, they're like, oh, that would be cool. How can we get there <laughs> at some point? Yeah, I think that's what happened. That's what I'm going to say. That's the takeaway from this whole thing is, you know, they found that, filmed the music video, and then they just worked their way back to the start. I like how Joe and Bradley are sort of like, sort of like gyrating against the wheels. It's like the least <laughs> glamorous area of the plane and john and tina are 
at the top of the stairs, like where the ca- the cabin crew <laughs> sort of greet you, but Tina's like doing a back bend over the stairs, getting the attention again. There's a lot of potential in that location. So whoever found it, what a legend. Mm-hmm. And during the song, towards the end, we get a little shot of them signing a contract with Dean and they all sort of throw their hands in the air in celebration. And that's the end of the episode. So God. did you do you have any final thoughts or any sort of notes that we haven't brought up already? Well, do you know, <laughs> obviously I was talking before how like there's like sort of different tensions between like messages in the, in the episode, like, one is like, you know, <laughs> one is like, go for it. Like, follow your dreams. Mm-hmm. And Believe that coincidences yeah. will happen and they will. And yeah, yeah. And then that's great. And then also like the fortune teller, he is following his dreams. He's doing what makes him him happy. So it's like, it's almost like do both, you know, and you'll end up filming a music video on a plane. Like everything will be great. Mm-hmm. So actually, you know what? I said I felt depressed watching it, but after like recording this, I feel very inspired. Great. I feel positive and yeah, I feel like, do you know what? Just buzzing about life. I feel like I'm going to be an artist. <laughs> <laughs> this has been a real journey for this, you. Honestly, just thank you. <laughs> thank you for you know inviting me on and you know the hour and a half that I spent watching it in total definitely not wasted because I feel like I've got a new lease of life so yeah I'm booking in to do a film and music video at Presswick airport uh, outside (laughs) Glasgow next week so yeah coming soon (laughs) brilliant so before we finish where can people find you on Twitter and elsewhere? And is there anything you'd like to plug? Yes, I definitely would like to plug. So basically, um, I do like music, comedy and musical comedy. You can find me on Twitter and Instagram under Amelia Baylor. I'm streaming on Twitch at the moment. Uh, and that's twitch.tv slash Amelia Baylor and different kind of vibes. So I, at the moment, my schedule does change. But at the moment, on a Monday, I do a breakfast show at 9am. So that includes features like outfits and snacks guess the snack some songs about snacks uh other features as well i did a feature on monday ronnie o'sullivan's best looks he is the iconic snooker player (laughs) on wednesdays we do making bangers that's like writing new songs and also we do a couple of songs from the back catalog as well on thursdays i try and do like a sort of special show so tonight i'm doing a microwave cooking stream that should be fun that'll also include some uh songs as well uh, thinking of doing a song, it's Dakota by the Stereophonics, but a cover of it, instead of You Made Me Feel Like the One, it's going to be like, another meal for one, another, <laughs> so that kind of shit. And then on Fridays, I started doing a DJ set, because as I said, I'm a raver. Maybe this was inspired by, you know, my early experiences of uh, Tiger's Eye and Wimbledon, that soft play place, seeing S Club 7 songs and dancing to them. Um so yeah, I'll do a DJ set on Fridays at half five and yeah, Thursday show is 9pm. So that's at the moment what I'm doing. Hopefully things will be opening up again and very much looking forward to getting back on stage and writing and performing a show. So yeah, <laughs> there we go. Very massive plug there, but you've got to do it. Cool. And on Twitter, you're at Amelia Baylor, right? Yes. So all my stuff's on there really. And yeah, thanks for having me. Thank you for listening to this episode of It's an S-Pod Thing. It was edited by Alex Blondek with music by William Kitchener. If you enjoyed the podcast and want to let us know that we're your number one, please subscribe and leave us a good review. 
Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello? Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. 